0: Hi, this is SD, host of the Friday, a public affair. I hope you help us by contributing to WORT and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Bye. Six foot six above sea level I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level No power frequency, radio modulation The big sound from underground No change without struggle No one in power ain't giving up nothing No change without struggle No one in power W-O-R-T, 89.9 FM, listener-sponsored community radio, Madison, Wisconsin. And hello, welcome to A Public Affair. I am STD Dinor. We have um, one of our favorite guests today, Professor Richard Wolf, who I will introduce um, very soon. But before that, I have another guest here in the studio. Jonathan Zarov. why are you here, dude? I'm here to work. But it's the best
1: kind of work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to uh, encourage people to call 608. Two five six two thousand and one. 2001 I will never forget that Extension number. 1. Extension 1. You That's have to right. add that That's now. new now. Yes. Or
0: they can also pledge on...
1: w r t f m dot O-R-G. Very it, good. If you like that human experience, there's a lot of humans out there uh, in the lobby right now waiting yeah. to take your pledge, and they can answer questions and tell you about pledge premiums. Or if you want speed and efficiency and you're a misanthrope, go to W-O-R-T-F-M dot O-R-G, and you can do it. Like, I've pledged on there in... About two minutes, liter- yeah. literal two minutes.
0: And you don't have to be a misanthrope to do it. I mean, but you, you don't do have also, to, but it's fun.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's fun. No, I'm not a misanthrope, and neither are most of your listeners. <laughs> if
0: you're at work, you know. Yeah, yeah, whatever, there's reasons you, you, you want to be pledge. So this is people's um, last opportunity, this pledge drive, to um, vote for this particular show for the Friday APA. Do you want to tell them why they should pledge for the Friday APN and for Word?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it is both. It's always both. Um, but when you're a programmer here, you know, we we don't do Arbitrons. We don't do... We get very little feedback. You know, Esty gets feedback when she's out in the community and somebody says, Oh, my God, I heard that guest. I loved it. I know that happens for you. Yes, a lot. Yeah. But But this is one of the key times when we all... Want to know, are people listening? Do they care? Do they want the show to go on? Do they appreciate it? This is your moment to vote for that you like uh, Public Affair on Friday. Yes, it all goes in the same bucket. It all supports WRT no matter when you pledge. But this is a special time to tell Esty that you appreciate what she does. She brings uh, unique perspectives. She brings unique guests. Um, she asks hard questions she does her homework beforehand uh, and she brings a little bit of personality too she's Esty right and that's that's what I love about WRG is that intersection between the people and the and the issues and learning but also you know very human you know it's Esty what more can we say two five six two thousand one it's, it's extension true it's one.
0: one thing I love too is that I hear a voice and I'm like I know who it is, they don't sound like anyone else, and they have the specific expertise, and that's what I love about them. Or,
1: Or even on the underwriting, when you hear those familiar voices, it's just, to me, that is so much richer than any of the commercial stations where most of the time I have no idea who these people are. They might not even live here.
0: 608 256 one extension one wortfm.org. Richard D. Wolfe is Professor of Economics Emeritus at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst and a visiting professor in the Graduate Program in International Affairs of the New School University in New York City. He is the founder of Democracy at Work and host of the nationally syndicated show Economic Update. His latest book is The Sickness in the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from pandemics all itself and um, just last week uh, Facebook sent me my memories from last year last week and Richard was my guest exactly then to talk about that book and um the book can be found along with his other books at which are understanding socialism and understanding marxism at democracy at work that info so good to have you again richard
2: thank you very much Esti. i i'm very glad to be here
0: i was i was saying that you know because of all these uh, technical issues that we've had i didn't have an opportunity to ask you if you would like to comment on Hurricane Ian and uh, what we are seeing happening right now. Is that something you want to touch on or should we get straight to economics?
2: Well, I'd like to say a couple of words about it because really these issues are much more connected than uh, often the media uh, admit. Hurricanes are not something new. Hurricanes have been with us for a very long time. We know pretty much when they come. We know pretty much where the places are that are most vulnerable by the water in Florida, along the coast of the Gulf of Mexico, and so on. There ought to be, in a rational society, a systematic program in place by the government, because no one else is in a position to do this, have the government make the arrangements to solve this problem. Hearing each time about how terrible the storm is, is a failure of the system. It's not the storm's strength that we ought to be focused on. It's on all the preventive measures that were not taken and that could have been taken and that should have been taken and we should be discussing why weren't they taking and so that we can make the adjustments so that the next time a terrible storm comes we are not devastated you know you explain the devastation of puerto rico or of cuba or of some of the other places that this storm and others damage and you explain it on the grounds that these societies are extremely poor and do not have the kinds of resources that the United States has. And there's much truth to that. Although the United States has more than a little to do with the poverty in Puerto Rico and Cuba, but I'll put that aside. Why are we not taking those steps? For example, it is well known in real estate circles that a ridiculously high proportion of new construction of housing in the United States has been done on floodplains. That is, in areas where we know from the American Army's uh, uh, studies of these questions that you're vulnerable. That shouldn't be done. We should build housing where it is safe in relationship to these uh, storms. What are we doing? It may be quickly profitable for some capitalist home builder to entice people to buy a home because they need one and they want one and it's romantic and all the rest. Uh, But it's one of the reasons they shouldn't buy there is because it isn't safe. And they shouldn't be allowed to build in places that are unsafe, whether it's profitable or not. It's one of those many examples where the market And the profit system have outcomes we don't need, we don't want, and we could do better than, and the real question is, why aren't we doing better? Because we have the knowledge and the experience to do better.
0: Yeah, I want to quickly thank um, Jennifer from uh, Madison who gave us a very nice um, pledge. Thank you so very much, uh, Jennifer. That leaves us with needing only 18 more pledges during the next 40 minutes. 608-256-2001, extension 1, or wortfm.org. And so to get uh, back, Richard, um, to for example cuba one thing about cuba is that they like you said they know that it's coming and they evacuate their people they don't leave them to try and make it in their cars while water is rushing and there's these huge uh tanglements and and they end up just sitting and possibly drowning um that that also says something about um a capitalist government against non-capitalist government doesn't it
2: yes and i mean you could go on one of the things that cuba is famous for around the world is its medical system it has one of the most developed programs of training doctors training nurses training local people in all kinds of medical procedures so that they are able even if they're in an isolated area, trained people who can be a temporary nurse, who, can be, who has a certain amount of training. Cuba is a very poor country, and yet it has so successfully developed its medical system that it regularly earns money by sending doctors and nurses abroad so that they can replicate in Asia, Africa, and elsewhere in Latin America what they have achieved. You The know, United States is capable of doing anything that they do in Cuba. We are a smart people. We're a capable people. Well, we don't use the, 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 the skills and knowledge that we have because we are forever cutting corners to make an extra buck in some private enterprise, and it gets in the way of what our reason would enable us to have achieved. And we ought to be looking at successful examples like Cuba and like other countries. It's a little bit like the way we handled COVID. I mean, let's be honest as a society with ourselves. Instead of all of this hand-waving about how wonderful we are, we are one of the richest countries on Earth. We have one of the most developed medical systems on Earth. And yet our performance in fighting COVID is, and I'm going to be nice now, mediocre. Many, many nice. Yeah, Yeah. many many countries that have much less in the way of wealth and resources did better in terms of saving their the lives of their people. We lost over a million of our fellow citizens here. I mean, this ought to have been a a moment of enormous social uh, self questioning in our society. What's wrong with our medical system? Maybe our private enterprise medical system isn't the best one. Maybe all those countries that had a public health system more developed than ours have something to teach us. But we are a society that is so insecure that we can't dare ask those questions. We have to pretend how what we did was wonderful and it's all behind us now and it's all over. It's it's sad to watch The self-delusion that that is so widespread around these issues.
0: Yeah, and um, I have another person to thank, Norman Stockwell. Actually, the uh, um, the uh, publisher of uh, the Progressive. Thank you so much, Norm. He says. Esti does a great job and has for so many years and hello to Jonathan and he loves all of the shows. Um, thank you, uh, Norm. And uh, next time... You know you'll be here, Jonathan. So I'll have you uh, read these nice things that people say on me, say about me. Um, So now we have only 17 shows, uh, uh, calls we need. I'm going to continue talking to Richard because you are being so good to us, and you pledge. And as long as you do. Uh, Jonathan and I can talk later. We don't have to talk on mic. So um, let's see how much we can get of Richard today. This is so exciting that we're hearing from you right away. so of course we can continue talking about that for the next hour, but I want to get to a few other issues. So let's let's start with the American economy currently. The Federal Reserve uh, just raised recently the interest by another point, seventy-five percent. It's a very it's a very high raise considering the previous raises so i have few questions for you let me ask them all at once and i know you can answer so first of all why and how would it battle inflation which i don't understand i don't i don't know ec- economics okay but um because i actually t- I, I i studied that in high school but the economics teacher was this alcoholic and i just i i came to hate it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but um anyway um the way i understand inflation is everything is too expensive so how if you raise the prices of everything how does that battle the fact that already everything is too expensive and now it'll be even more expensive. And the next question is, what does it do to the average American and who will suffer and who will benefit? So there you go.
2: All right. In less than an hour. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, And Those are questions that are on everyone's mind. By the way, not only in the United States, but in other countries, the inflation is particularly bad here in the United States and in Europe. However, when American politicians caught up in the question you're asking, what about this inflation and all of that, they like to, again, delude themselves by telling the people and uh, the rest of the world, oh, well, don't be uh, upset about this because it's everywhere. That's a lie. I mean, they know that that's not true for the same reason I do. There are uh, government agencies and international agencies that keep track of inflation. So I know what the inflation rate here is in this country, what it is in Britain, what it is in Italy and what it is elsewhere. So I can assure you there are countries that do not have an inflation. Uh, as high as we do. Ours is currently 8.5% roughly. And what that means is that on average the prices that we pay in the supermarket, in the department store, wherever we go are in general 8.5% higher than they were one year ago. And here's what it means. For you to be able to afford the same things you purchased a year ago your food, your clothing, your your rental, whatever your expenses are. In order for you to afford today what you were able to afford a year ago, your income would have to be 85 to 9% higher than it was a year ago. If you got a wage increase of zero, in other words, if you're earning the same th- this year as last, you have lost and a half percent of your purchasing power what you can afford to buy and it means everybody whose income didn't go up by at least eight and a half percent over the last year has fallen behind now has to live on a lower standard of living can afford to buy fewer goods than last year and the vast majority of the american people did not get a raise from last year to this year of eight and a half percent or more. So the answer is the vast majority of Americans are falling behind from last year to this because of the general rise in inflation. So let me make it clear. In case anyone listening thinks that you, your individual life, your individual family, is having a hard time and that that's your fault, let me help you. It has nothing to do with you. This is an economic process that is hurting you, but is in no way your fault. You know why? Because you have nothing to do with raising or lowering prices. No one asked you over the last year to participate in any way in a process of raising the price. If you work in a, in a restaurant, you weren't asked to help determine the price of a meal in that restaurant. If you produce something, uh, let's call it uh, machines that that read software, you don't have any. You're an employee. You do a particular task, but you have nothing to do with setting the prices. So. If you are suffering, as we all are, from rising prices, then, as the majority of Americans are, the next question we have to ask and answer is, who raises the prices? Who doing this? And here I have the answer for you. Employers. The, the social group that sets prices are employers. That's why those of you, like me, who have been employees all your life, don't know much about it because it's never been your job. Employers do not permit employees to do that. That is a privilege of employers. They're the ones who decide. McDonald's Board of Directors There's at the highest level, 15 people who sit on the board of directors of McDonald's, they determine the price of the hamburger you may buy there, or the milkshake, or the whatever you get. And the same is true across the board. And now I have to remind you of something you already know. The number of employers in our population, less than 1% Hmm. of our people are employers. The other 99% either are employees or they're the husband or the wife or the relative or the child of an employee because the employees are the vast majority because the capitalist economic system gives to a tiny minority, the employer, whom we do not elect and who is not accountable to us in any vote, we give them the power to raise prices when and where they wish they choose. They are not governed in that process. They are not controlled in that process. They raise and lower prices as part of the strategy to run their business. It's another decision like hiring people or not, or expanding their production or not, or moving their production to another part of the country, or the world, or not. We give a tiny minority of the people the power to raise prices. So the answer to the question, why don't we have stable prices? Why are prices in general going up? The answer is it's because there's profit in doing that. And the employer who's in business to make a profit chooses to do so by raising the prices of what they have to sell and when when you ask an honest businessman or woman why are you raising prices they'll give you if they're honest the right answer which is that's the most profitable strategy available to me at this time just like i decide whether to move my production or to hire more workers or to change the quality or the quantity of what i produce i make a dec- about all those things i make the decision me alone the employer and i make it about prices too and if this is news to you what i'm saying even the, even though it's the most elementary economics there is if it's news to you it's because the people who make these decisions the one percent who set prices they are very nervous about everybody knowing that because if you're upset by the inflation which almost everyone is if it's hurting you which is true for almost everybody then you might begin to point the finger of responsibility at the employer class And I'm a professional economist, I've been a professor all my life, and if you point the finger of responsibility at the employer, you're 100% correct. And they don't want that, and I understand it. They don't want the anger of the society. But, you know, I'm in the position of saying, if you don't want the anger of society, then maybe you shouldn't be making this decision all by yourself. Maybe there ought to be a democratic procedure whereby we all discuss what we can afford, what prices should be, because of course if you jack up the price, the employer makes more profit. You know why? Because we have to spend more for a bag of potatoes than we used to. That's not good for us, it is good for them, and that is part of what we call class struggle and if it's hard for you to hear it which i understand i was born in the united states too
0: I Me mean not okay <laughs> but richard you sound like a socialist <laughs> yeah i hope so, I hope so. <laughs> anyway i,
2: I don't find, i don't find you know there my americanism is a little bit different i don't find the attribution of socialism Uh, frightening or scary or inappropriate or anything else. Socialists have always been, for me, the people who yearn to do better. I would like to think Americans, as a people, would like to do better, that they would like to figure out when things are not working the way they would wish them to do, can we do better? Can we go faster than sitting on a horse? Yeah, we can have an automobile. Can we grow food uh, that we would enjoy eating if we use a new technology? We're interested. Well, you know, the same logic applies to your economic system. For most of the history of the human race, we didn't have capitalism. We didn't have such a thing as wage labor. We didn't have employer-employee. Didn't have it. We have it now. But that means we ought to be asking the question, can we do better? And socialists are the ones who ask that question and then explore ways to do that. And we shouldn't be upset at that. We should applaud it. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that they propose. Of course not. But to shut off the conversation, which we do in this country, that's not smart. That's a kind of shooting yourself in the foot with your own narrow-mindedness. Nothing to be proud of.
0: Yeah. And, and as one who asks these questions too, and I, I ask you not to answer it because we have to thank some people, but I also um thinking about how the fossil fuel companies are making a killing literally yeah. nowadays. Uh, killing all of us and the planet all at the same time, doing a great job of that. But let's first um, thank some people. Oh. Jonathan, who do we have?
1: All right. Well, I'm enjoying this conversation, so I'll make it fast. Uh, Steve Wolven, he calls it a modest contribution, but uh, it, you know he doesn't have to be that modest about it, actually. And, thank uh, you so much, Steve. Steve listens to Public Affair, and especially Estee Denore and Alan Ruff. Yes, thank, thank you, Steve. Thank you. And Matthew also Matthew upped their uh, monthly pledge.
0: Which is Which, another thing we need to, and we haven't talked about that. But we need uh, new people to pledge uh, to give a monthly payment as low as five dollars.
1: That's right. It can as be high as, low as, 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 as the sky, you know. Yep, if you absolutely. can give five
0: hundred dollars a month, that'll be the best place to give it to.
1: Capitalist, capitalism will allow you to make a very large <laughs> to, pledge, monthly pledge. It won't and prevent to you from that. This You'll, radio station, yeah, where you, you can talk about social. Stuff. Not yeah. only
0: can you, but you do talk about socialism yeah. quite. Well, Regularly. Well,
1: Matthew um, picked up the Progressive Magazine, and I mentioned that because you know when you do make a monthly uh, pledge, you can pick up a premium for that at some point um you know it doesn't disqualify you from doing that
0: uh, very good point and Matthew
1: yeah. likes a public affair and the local news
0: thank you very much Matthew and we have not heard from anyone on the web today maybe we don't have any misanthropes among our listeners I don't know
1: well, well, let's let's change it then how about socialists we got a lot of I think you've got a lot of socialist <laughs> listeners and we've just you know um Richard has just been uh you know saying like we shouldn't be shy about that, of course we should not be shy about embracing that. And if uh, if you would like to imagine a, a different economy, maybe one that takes care of more people, and uh, that's important to you, you we're know, talking about I hope
0: we get to talk about that, but there are some other big issues that I want to discuss with him. First, we are at five callers, which is awesome. We need 15 more in the next 22 minutes. Um, I'm sure we can do it. We just need you to... <laughs> help us
1: all you socialists you're misanthropes and we'll keep expanding it until <laughs> we get 20 calls Marxists, neo Marxists,
0: all people who are just interested in hearing ideas and important in discussions and um You know, appreciate what we do here on the Friday, at public affair especially, but also on the station generally. Yeah, yeah? if
1: you listen to this regularly, honestly, we're sort of kidding around, but that is the most important qualifier. If you appreciate this show and WRT in general, the number to call is 608. It's not enough to
0: tell me you love it. We need to hear from you today. It says
1: 608-256-2001, extension 1, Very wrtfm.org. Good.
0: And, you know, because we need 15 more callers and because we need a bunch more money, we are going to pledge wrap. If you, we don't hear from a bunch of you. while well, I'm asking um, Richard uh, which, who I should reintroduce, uh, Richard D. Wolf, professor of economics emeritus at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Also, he's the founder of Democracy at Work and host of the nationally syndicated show Economic Update, which um, is a great place. They have numerous, numerous... uh, What do you call them, Richard? Are they lectures, presentations? What are they?
2: Yes, well, you know, uh, having been a professor all my life, I graduated from the university professorship
1: but and entered the like world Charlie. of the
2: internet, <laughs> and I now produce videos uh, literally every day of one kind or another, and and the appetite for them. I've got to tell you and your audience, I uh, I'm having the time of my life. My classes are not 30 to 50 students; it's 30 to 50,000 uh, for most of the things we produce, yeah. if not more. And uh, they're all over the world. You know, we can't even handle the the flow of uh, emails. Uh, yeah, I'm critical of capitalism. I don't hide it. I don't pretend otherwise. But I am here to tell you that the audience for that criticism, who want to think about it, who want to hear it, they don't agree with everything I say, and they shouldn't. But they're engaged in, on a scale I did not know existed until I started doing it. I really am a case of the old joke... R- Do people like this flag? And the answer was run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. Uh, In a way, I've done that. I didn't set out to do it. I've done it. And I can tell you, the number of people that are interested in this material yeah. is enormous.
0: I saw you have two hundred eighty-six thousand followers YouTube. at, at right, Democracy at Work on YouTube, and uh, and yet, Richard, you are here with us again, and you even are tolerating our pledge drive. Why is that? Why why do you come to work?
2: Well, you know that that would be an autobiography that would take me more than time than you have. Or that, Let's do it in <laughs> three minutes. Do it. <laughs> well, you know, it's hard. My parents were immigrants. That's, I, I want to mention that because that's important in this culture. My father was uh, French and my mother was German. And I grew up speaking French and German uh, until I, I was born in Youngstown, Ohio. Hmm. Uh, if you know anything about Youngstown, Ohio, you'll know that it's a kind of a symbol of much that has gone wrong in American capitalism, uh, it was a vibrant town when my father worked there in a steel mill. That—that's what it's famous for at that time. A place called the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company, um, but Youngstown has had economic difficulties and decline for most of the last seventy-five years. And my lifetime is—is a—is a decline of my hometown. Uh, and so all of these kinds of things uh, affect me but i am in the old sense i think we can do better i don't think we should accept you know the the the, the spectacle of yet another hurricane with all the damage and act like it's something from nature nature yeah. is the problem we could have and we should have asked hard questions about what we can do and not to see the same awful images on the tv next autumn that we're seeing now
0: yeah well thank you again for joining us and i'm assuming it's because you think that word is worth your time which
2: absolutely
0: yeah so and, thanks. and
2: not not just because you're open enough to have these conversations which is a major attraction for me but also the, i believe in it. i believe in people getting together and collectively doing something for themselves, especially when the private sector either cannot or will not do this kind of programming and this kind of social community development. I see you as doing that. This is what I mean by we can do better. You're doing that. And I want to be as supportive as I know how
0: thank you so much 608-256-2001 extension 1 wortfm.org we still need 15 more Uh, no we need 14 because Suzette from Madison uh, donated online she likes tropical rhythms mud acres back to the country again the the amazing diversity that we have on our um, airway folks we need still 14 more thank you very much um, Suzette um, and we have only 16 minutes or 15 minutes and we need 14 callers so please right now and Jonathan I will trust that uh, um, what's going, what's going on? on oh you have to turn off your um, 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 it's, when, it's I when, when I turn on my, on my
1: mic, mic and, and, uh, and um, I have no, to turn on my mic to talk
0: Ah, okay, okay. No, no, Richard, we need you until the end of the hour, and actually, if you can stay for a few more minutes after that, I have a debt to you that I need to discuss with you in person. (laughs) But um, yeah, I told people that we'll be talking about both Ukraine and China, and of course, we don't have a whole lot of time. So um, let's go to Ukraine. Biden uh, just gave another 1.6 or so billion to Ukraine. I have to admit, that I lost count but by, by now, but huge amounts that have been given in a very short time, while we keep being told that there's no money for everything that people need here. And we're told that it is about freedom, democracy, human rights, and, and all these other tropes. Is it? What, what do you think?
2: Well, um, let me start with I agree with you about... Uh... The money. I'm amazed that Americans have not yet woken up to what's going on. I'll give you just two examples. All kinds of steps could have been taken over the last 12 months uh, to prepare Florida better than it was for this horrible hurricane that they've just suffered. That money, which was not made available for the things that could have and should have been done there, was sent instead to fight against the Russians in Ukraine. Let me give you another example. This past week, President Biden, who, by the way, campaigned in favor of cutting student debt, went back on the small improvement he gave a few weeks ago. He took a significant portion of that off the table. Having given it, he took it back Uh, because some people in various government agencies don't want to lose the money that they might have gotten by squeezing students to pay all their loans back. Uh, Meanwhile, he's sending much more money than that over to Ukraine. And I really wonder whether if this country dared just ask its own people, whatever you think about the merits of Russia or Ukraine, Whatever you think about it, do you want to continue to shortchange a whole raft of programs needed in this country in order to fund a country which, to be honest, most Americans know very little about, cannot find on a map, though that effort has been made, uh, and are being told kind of children's morality stories, should one big country invade a little one? Well, if you put it that way, of course not. I'm not I don't want Mr. Putin to invade a, a neighboring small country. But, you know, we live in the United States. And over the last 30 years, we in- invaded Vietnam. We invaded Afghanistan. We invaded Iraq. We are a very big, powerful, rich countries. And those three I just mentioned are among the smallest, poorest countries on earth. We are not in a really good position to get all moral about all of these things, really. I mean, it's embarrassing. And I got to tell you that when I travel and when I talk to people outside the United States, we are not making friends by all of this. This this notion that we are the great champions of the downtrodden, nobody believes that. They just don't. And this is not going to change their minds. This looks like it's hypocrisy written large. But let me turn to the the issue itself. Uh, Ukraine, in case you're not familiar with the map, is right on the border of Russia. Russia is not going all over the world with its military. It's not like the United States going to Afghanistan, literally halfway around the world, or to Vietnam, literally halfway around the world, or to Iraq, literally almost halfway around the world. It's a neighboring country that was becoming, since especially uh, 2014, increasingly hostile and bellicose. You know, many years ago, in 1962, the leader of Cuba, Mr. Castro, made a deal with Mr. Khrushchev in Russia. And the deal involved shipping defensive ballistic missiles from Russia to Cuba. And that caused a great to-do And President Nixon, our president, threatened all kinds of horrible reprisals unless the ships carrying those missiles turned around. Long story short, they turned around. Crisis was averted because Russia basically backed down. And the argument given by President John Kennedy, who was the man at that moment who was president, was that we cannot tolerate close to our borders something that it declares its enmity toward us well that's just exactly what the story in ukraine and russia uh, is about too and there ought to be a debate here about how we're handling shipping by the way it's in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 billion with a b that we have done spent in in ukraine a vast amount of money uh arming these people Uh, to fight in europe there's a joke it's told every day for the last five months the united states is prepared to fight russia to the last ukrainian
0: yeah Uh, that's that's
2: not a friendly joke that is a you know that is a sharp edged kind of joke uh and now it's getting larger the united states is prepared to fight russia to the last ukrainian on the battlefield and to the last euro that the European continent can afford. Hmm. Why? Because the inflation coming out of the sanctions program against Russia... By the way, it's important for people to understand. What's disturbing the global economy is the program of sanctions started and led by the United States. Not the war. The war itself would have a minor impact. Very small. It's a small country. On the economy, you mean? Yes, that's right. The economic effects on the world economy, which are enormous, come out of the sanctions. The West thought they could bring Russia to its knees by saying we're not going to buy the oil and the gas uh, uh, that you rely on to export. And they didn't calculate, and this is very important, they didn't calculate that the world has changed. There is now another economic power that everyone in the world sees it's called the people's republic of china you uh, let have me... to understand yeah let that me... is a new that's more important than all the rest of this it changes everything
0: yeah let me stop you here because i absolutely want us to get to that but uh we have not received any more pledges Uh, we are at a third of the financial goal of this hour and at a quarter of the callers and I think the problem is that you're so fascinating Richard so we're going to have to um, do some pledge wrapping before we do that uh, Jonathan I want to thank Amy, Gary and Warren who are answering who are taking our pledges and we do need to make them very busy and Teddy Wedgers who gave us their food and we're looking forward to eating that coming soon yeah thanks to all but okay we have eric who likes um apa friday buzz wednesday and guilty pleasures thank you so much eric you're getting us a bit closer jonathan tell people why they must continue giving us
1: because we've got uh we're incredibly efficient with the money you give us we've got over 300 volunteers and very uh small amount of staff and they do incredible work um your dollar goes further here than a lot of other places you can give it we're incredibly nimble no matter what happens in the world uh wrt will uh has people who are ready and knowledgeable to discuss it and uh very quickly you know to get on with guests uh, th- that we people that we know in the community people that we know further out um and uh, so when you give to WRT, you're really, no matter what you think is going to happen in the world, you'll get a good viewpoint on it and you'll get informed on it. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know that WRT will be a good asset to understand yeah, it better. Yeah,
0: and, and people like Richard wolf come and talk to us. Uh, Noam Chomsky has been on my show 13 times. Uh, a lot of other amazing speakers, you know, we had that show about... Um, the, uh, the British colonialism and its legacy when everybody was crying about the death of this lovely and wonderful queen who actually was very much a participant in um, that colonialism. Um, I don't know, where else do you hear it? So um, we really need you to support us.
1: Yeah. And where are you going to hear uh, views on the Middle East and Israel and Palestine uh, from somebody like Esty, who who is, uh, you know, very knowledgeable and progressive and uh, pushes pushes the issue and also, you know, grew up there and has that perspective as well. And so I'm always very interested in what Esty has to say about that way more than um, Jared Kushner, by the way. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh Jonathan come on I,
1: I put you in that position way more way more did I st- stress that enough 256-2001 608-256-2001 extension 1 wrtfm.org I just want to say one more thing because somebody mentioned Back to the Country and mm-hmm. I think I've said this before but one of my favorite WRT moments was that handoff that used to happen between Bill Malone on Back to the Country uh-huh. and, and Bobby when she was there too And uh, but Bill would be talking and you'd do a little bit of, of chatting you know on the handoff and just the 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 voices that you have the two different accents and knowing the rich perspectives and the knowledge that you both have that are so different and yet like hearing you sort of this very friendly respectful Handoff. I just love that moment. To me, that was what WRT is all about, the diversity. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if, to me, that's why I would call 608-256-2001-Extension-1 and pledge, those, and, those kinds and, of reasons. And
0: again, that's an amazing thing about this station is uh, the hosts are experts in what they do. We are all, um, Richard, I think you know that, but we are all volunteers. I've been doing it for almost 27 years, and I have not received a penny. Um, for all this time of being on the air and preparing and you know that it takes a lot of preparation yeah. to spend an hour on the air so i th- I did thank Terry right Terry and Taylor no okay Terry thank you so very much you again are helping us on our way but um, we still need a lot more callers or pledgers online, and we still need a bunch more money. We have like three minutes, Richard, which is appalling. But I am going to trust our uh, listeners that they will bring us to our goal and ask you in three minutes to talk about China.
2: Okay. <laughs> the most important, I, I'm glad to, and, and three minutes should be enough. i tell you why. I'm going to give you a statistic, which should have been in everyone's head already, but it is in almost no one's, because it'll give you a perspective. We are currently in the middle of a war, an economic war, as you all know, between the United States and Russia. Sanctions, counter-sanctions, all of that. The way economists, professional economists like me, measure the general size and power of an economy is with a statistic called gdp gross domestic product it's a number that measures the total output of goods and services in one year so we look at the most recent year and we calculate what's the total value of goods and services produced and that gives you an idea of the size of the economic power of a particular country okay For the most recent year, a year ago, the GDP of Russia, one and a half trillion dollars with a T, one and a half trillion. For the most recent year, last year, the GDP of the United States is 21 trillion dollars. In other words, an economic war between Russia and the United States Is a war between David and Goliath, and you're not going to be happy with which country plays which role. Mm -hmm. Think Uh about it. But now comes the key. What is the GDP of China? Answer $15 trillion. Whatever the relations of Russia were to Europe can be substituted for. a relationship not only with China but with all the countries in the world that are now interacting very profoundly with China. China is a new emerging global empire. Queen Elizabeth was the goodbye to the British Empire. That was replaced by the American Empire. The last hundred years up until the 1970s and 80s was the ride up for the United States, wealth was achieved, growth was achieved, global power. The United States is now past its peak. I know American politicians need to reassure the people that that's not true, but that's doing no service of honesty. Yeah. There is a new empire. It's called China. China.
0: And and we'll have to talk about it next time, Richard. Thank you so very much for joining us. Please stay, please stay on uh, Meetir for another couple minutes. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much, and I hope we are getting that there are 10 pledges on the way here. It's and not can, too late.
1: Yeah, this they no. will accrue to SD and a public affair 608 two five six two thousand one. And I can go on.
0: disrupt the funny boys and um, and but we're not we're not up to our uh, goal yet. So folks, we need to hear from you right away. 608-256-2001, extension 1, or wartfm.org. Thank you, Richelle. Thank you, Richard Wolf. I'm STD Nor. We'll be talking again next week without asking for your pledges, so do it right now, please. you.